Howdy, folks. It's Tuesday, March 22nd. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Hustle writer Rob Litterst, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Later in today's episode, San Francisco, Austin, Miami, Toronto, or as the locals say, Toronto. The Canadian city is a sprawling tech metropolis and now hosts the third most tech workers in North America behind New York and Silicon Valley. How did this happen? We are going to discuss it. But before we get into that, as always, here are a few things you should know. Let's get crackalacking. There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. All right, Rob, what are you uh, what are you looking at? All right, so one of the first things that I saw today that really piqued my interest, and it kind of ties back to a conversation we had on the pod last week around EV chargers and the gas station of the future. So Porsche, which you may know is the luxury sports car maker. I am aware, yes. Oh, yeah. The company announced that it wants 80% of its vehicles to be electric by 2030, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. There are a lot of auto companies who are making these kinds of promises and pronouncements. What's really different about this Porsche announcement is they also said that they are going to be developing their own charging stations. Okay. Of course, Tesla did this and their charging network was a huge value add for people that bought Teslas because their chargers are literally everywhere. But what's interesting is Tesla's actually considering letting other cars charge on their chargers because of the ubiquity of electric vehicle chargers that's kind of happened over the last few years. Right. But Porsche is obviously a luxury company. They have luxury positioning. And this is the coolest part to me. So they're saying that their electric charging stations may actually double as luxury lounges. And we were talking about this last week, like what is the gas station of the future? This just feels so on brand for me for a luxury vehicle maker to have like this nice place where you can relax, charge your vehicle, maybe, I don't know, get a massage or something like that. Yeah. What I really like about it is it kind of targets the really aspirational consumer who has a lot of money but wants to do right by the environment, which I feel like a lot of the people that buy sports cars, they have like this love of cars that goes way back and they love the sound of the engine. They love the smell of gasoline. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this works for Porsche, but I think they're cornering a really solid part of the market that could be really profitable for them. You mentioned Tesla. I think it was Professor G, Scott Galloway, who predicted Tesla might at some point think about buying Pilot Flying J, uh, which is, I believe, the biggest or one of the biggest truck stop operators in North America, and basically turned those into its own kind of gas stations and differentiate in that sense, which would would be similar to this. But who knows if that'll happen? (laughs) 
Well, what have you been looking at, JC? So one thing I've been looking into is this idea of shrinkflation. Okay. It's a trend that's happening. So basically, if you ever open up a massive bag of chips and you only find like six chips inside. The worst. The actual worst. It's the worst. And now you can expect even less. You can expect five chips. Uh. (laughs) Shrinkflation is this concept where companies will reduce the size or quantity of a product instead of increasing the price. For one example, Snyder's Honey Mustard and Onion Pretzels. Love them. They made a new bag, and on it says things like big flavor. But if you look closely, the weight has dropped from 12 ounces to 11.25 ounces. And this is more and more common. There's this guy... Edward Dworsky is a consumer advocate, and he has a whole website where he identifies these instances of shrinkflation and has these exposés of all, all these instances. And recent ones include things like sun-made raisins, Chobani flip, toilet paper rolls going down in the number that of is know, a problem. wipes you That's can do. That's an actual problem. <laughs> it's an actual problem. But even chains are taking part in this. So Domino's, for example, in February said it's dropping the number of wings in its $7.99 special from 10 to eight. So it's a real thing. And what's funny is if you need a place to vent about this, there's actually a shrinkflation subreddit with over 20,000 people. You're kidding me. <laughs> it gets people heated. <laughs> I kind of respect Snyder's spin zone of if they're going like bigger flavor, but you know, we don't need as much weight anymore because there's just so much flavor in exactly. every pretzel. Like I, I exactly. kind of feel like you have to do something like that, but this is the worst. This is literally the worst thing that happens when you buy like a package of chips. You think you're going to get this entire bag and then it ends up being filled to like a quarter of the bag. And now it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah. What else are you looking at? So Everyone's favorite season is basically here, and I'm not talking about spring. I'm talking about tax season. Uh, The IRS is basically bracing for war and dealing with a ton of organizational challenges that I don't think a lot of people know about. The agency has a workforce of about 75,000 people, and that's the same size as it was in 1970. In the last decade, its budget has dropped about 20%. Its customer service workforce has shrunk more than 40%. Well, the number of individuals filing has gone up 7%. So These are conflicting trends, JC. <laughs> these are conflicting trends. So a lot of people file for taxes. About 160 million tax returns will come in this year. As such, there are a lot of people who have to call the IRS for help or for solving whatever problems they have. And with all the craziness of the last couple of years, think stimulus checks, cryptocurrencies. Ugh. Last season's call volume was almost four times what it was in 2018. And during one spike last March, the IRS received as many as 1,500 calls a second. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's just, I don't even know how to comprehend that. And now they're trying to improve things. So they're hiring more. They're implementing automated bots on their website. And President Biden has called for an $80 billion injection into the agency, which he says would help raise hundreds of billions in, in lost tax revenue over a decade. But, you know, folks on the other side say the agency's problems are proof it shouldn't be given more money. <laughs> for people listening, I think all this is to say, maybe try getting your taxes done a tad early this year. <laughs> And uh, now I think it's time to talk about Canada. Let's do it. Okay, so if you've been on tech Twitter at all during the pandemic, you have probably seen Miami and Austin being hyped up as the next Silicon Valley, right? They're sunny hubs where people can basically work from the pool or beach, and they're both making this big kind of charge to try to drive tech workers. But according to the New York Times... 
Toronto is actually growing faster than both of those cities. It now hosts the third most tech workers in North America behind New York and Silicon Valley. And while your instincts might be that people are just moving up to Toronto to try to hang out with Drake, which I would totally understand, it's actually (laughs) the rise of Toronto is rooted in investments to its infrastructure, specifically universities and kind of corporate anchor companies. So some of the tech giants that have offices there include Shopify, which is actually Canada's own company, Google, Apple, Stripe, and even yours truly, HubSpot just opened an office uh. there. Yeah, so this combination of academia and big tech has actually led to some really cool collaborations between companies and professors at the University of Toronto that are experts in certain emerging technologies. Like Uber opened a self-driving car lab and Google opened a neural networks lab. So it's this kind of cool fusion between academia and corporate companies to try to kind of figure out what the future holds. Right. So is it easy to just pick up and move to Canada if you want to work there? It is funny you ask. So one of the other really big underlying reasons for this spike in Toronto's tech scene is it has a pretty lax immigration policy for economic immigrants, which are basically people who have been selected to immigrate because they can contribute to Canada's economy. So that makes it a lot easier for workers to immigrate to Canada than the U.S., where our immigration policy is heavily weighted towards family reunification. So Mm. if you were essentially trying to get into Canada to reunite with your family, that might actually be harder than moving to the United States. But if it's for work, Canada makes that a lot easier. They actually have incentives and can kind of fast track people to get into Canada if they work in fields where there's heavy demand for their job. So they take it super seriously. It's actually helped fuel a big increase in Canada's population. So Canada's population grew 5.2% between 2016 and 2021. The United States population, as a comparison, grew 2.6%. And immigration was considered the main reason that Canada's population grew so much. It's also helped make Toronto a truly international city. So around 50% of Toronto residents were born outside the country. Really? So when looking at Toronto compared to Silicon Valley, you know, how close are they to being really like a Silicon Valley? Or are they close? I don't know. I think one of the biggest takeaways here is just how far ahead Silicon Valley is in kind of being the mecca for tech talent. So between 2021 and 2022, Toronto startups garnered $5.4 billion in investments and Silicon Valley startups got $132 billion. So (laughs) it's really not even close. Like they're they're still pretty far away. I think- We'll be talking about the next Silicon Valley for a really, really long time because (laughs) it's going to take these cities forever to catch up to that level of funding. And bada bing, bada boom. That is it, folks. For more on the Hustle's tech and business coverage and links to all kinds of cool stuff from around the web, check out our newsletter at hustle.co. Thanks to our editor, Robert Hartwig, and executive producer, Darren Clark. I'm Jacob Cohen. You've been listening to the Hustle Daily Show, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. See you tomorrow.